as we've improved the technical aspects of these various quality techniques, methods, we're uh, asymptotically approaching a level where we can't do much better, and yet problems still exist. Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. Hi, my name is Chris Spivey. I'm the Editorial Director for PharmTech and Biopharm International, and it's a, an enormous pleasure to introduce a new area for the industry, which is essentially an evolution, quality management maturity that the FDA is now subtly pushing. And without more ado, I'll introduce Somna Mishra, who can give us a couple of sentences about what QMM is and the pilot project, pilot study that he just ran for the overseas companies and what the goals are somewhere we really uh, encourage our you know viewers to read the article in detail but i'll have bill and bob you know chime in on this thank you very much nicely bob uh, you may want to touch base on a little bit of the uh, the prior history of uh, quality management maturity and how it evolved over the years and then i can yeah. into the, uh, the qmm program itself yeah it is interesting um many industries of course uh, all high technical industries are concerned about quality. Quality starts at the technician level and even outside the technical level, but it runs right through the organization. Many other industries, for instance, aerospace, aviation, semiconductors, etc., recognize problems in their own industries. These go back uh, decades now and over the last 20 years. Many, have, many of these companies recognize they put in as much quality practices and procedures that they can to control at the technician level and yet they were still running into problems. Many of the problems that these other industries faced or found had to do with purchasing um, contracted materials, components from other companies. They would then assemble those into their finished product. And then they were realizing that while they were preparing products well, some of the quality practices that were outside of the direct quality or product development or commercialization phase. Some of those practices were contributing to product failure. Now, of course, this showed up in aeronautics. They recognized the importance of software and other components. So they realized that if we're doing well at a technical level, why is it we see failures? They traced it back to how senior management coordinates and, and embellishes practices and whether that percolates through an organization, that's what these industries found. Now, in no, uh, most notably, more recently, take a look at the uh, Capabilities Maturity Model uh, Initiative, the CMMI, that came out of software development. And what, you, what they found in those industries, particularly as they relate to FDA-regulated products, medical devices, capital equipment, they noticed that when they contract out software development, to a variety of software engineering firms. Some firms have a very mature model, quality practices, which really percolate, uh, you know, perfuses their, their whole product. And other 
of their suppliers don't uh, aren't as focused on the uh, senior level, high level quality practices. They're good coders, but they're not mature enough to provide the the quality algorithm product that goes into the finished device, the finished medical product. So they traced it back to how well are we selecting our vendors now? So th this is sort of a backdrop. Uh, you know, in this for this presentation. We can talk for hours on this subtopic, but just to notice the point to be made is that in these various industries, they recognize that senior management's role in controlling aspects of quality, they, they're the ones who control the purse strings and the decisions that are made that, that actually breathe life into a quality system. At that senior level, those are the people who can better solve some of the uh, pernicious and intractable problems that exist in, in these industries, telecommunications, aviations, aeronautics, software development, and medical devices. So now we're at a point where pharmaceuticals are simply recognizing the initiatives and the successes uh, that these other industries have achieved. And they're realizing there's only so much that can be done at a technical level in biopharmaceutical or pharmaceutical drug companies in terms of quality. You can train technicians, you can provide SOPs, procedures, specifications. You can oversee with with managers, supervisors, and even director level, and still there are problems. So it was these other industries that solved that. They illuminated the source of some of the pernicious problems, and it pointed back to senior management. Now, it's not to say that senior management is doing a poor job. It's just that they underappreciated the importance of corporate culture, the quality aspects of corporate culture. And now that's where we are now. Pharmaceutical companies are stepping up and taking the lessons learned in other industries, and they're going to apply it to drug product. This all culminates. It manifests itself in product failure, uh, sometimes withdrawals from the market and pr drug shortages, drug product shortages. These are the issues that we're trying to deal with. You're indicating it's a more holistic approach that's needed, and it's also requiring the direct attention of the C-suite. Is that correct? That's correct. And as I mentioned before, the whole field of quality is as old as uh, products have been manufactured. Over the last 70 or 60, 70 years, it's been very important about in incorporating quality control, quality assurance into all manufacturing processes, not just drugs, across all industries. So as we've improved the technical aspects of these various quality techniques, methods, we're uh, asymptotically approaching a level where we can't do much better, and yet problems still exist. So what I'm saying is when, when you eliminate all other sources of problems and they still exist, it, it really illuminates or highlights where those problems start from. And it's not like it's senior management's – we're just providing an awareness. And now how best to deal with that is up to the company. But this is what this is the uh, strata of quality issues that exist today, and, and we've just seen this in other industries. So you're right; it's a holistic approach. What can you bring to the table at a senior level, which is going to percolate down through the organization and improve profitability, productivity, efficiency? Terrific. I, I actually now will hand it back over to the others because I know that there's a follow-up point someone wanted to make. 
Thank you. I really just want to focus a little bit more on the FDA human program itself. And, and the reason why they couldn't use these other tools that were developed, you know, specifically for other industries and sometimes generically. But what the FDA was looking for was something a little bit more specific to, in our account, the API or uh, bulk drug substance manufacturing industry. So they need a tool that can take into account the complexities of it being a, a regulated drug manufacturing industry, but also take into account the minimum GMP compliance requirements and the stresses that are reflected in API manufacturing industry. So when we got our team together, Samith and, and the rest of the folks, uh, we, we developed a hybrid methodology that not only took into account the regulated processes, but also the non-regulated processes and assessed if and how best practices were being implemented and how these processes were integrated together and also optimized. An example, for instance, for a regulated process, it's not just meeting the, the 210 to 11 GMP requirements, or in this case, Q7 for uh, API industry, but it's also evaluating how they implemented the ICH guidelines, for instance, Q9, Q10. You know, how do they look at risk management? How do they look at their pharmaceutical quality system? You know, do they, do they go above and beyond just meeting the minimum uh, expectations? But we also, we wanted to make sure we also looked at non-regulated processes. And I'm talking about those processes that are managed by human resources, maybe uh, IT, information technology, finance, uh, environmental health and safety. So these are all non-GMP focused uh, parts of the QMM program that are not looked at as part of a, a typical FDA inspection. So hopefully it provides some insight of how this tool is different from perhaps maybe other industries. No, very much so. Uh, you echo some of what I've heard from Cindy Burse at FDA, but also you're reminding me how important this message is. I came back from CPH at Frankfurt, having spoken to a good couple of dozen people who were quite unaware that this was looming, uh, approaching them at, at, at some speed now. So does anyone else want to contribute to that aspect? The only thing that I would say is, is that we've talked quite a bit about vendor quality management, or at least some about vendor quality management. That's becoming more and more of a focus, not just in the States, but overseas as well. So just to highlight it, that's what this tool does in my view. And I was one of the original questioners on it, is it highlights what a vendor can do and to a certain extent how the vendor or prospective vendor approaches the uh, approaches a particular problem what resources do they have that kind of thing as things get more and more complex and especially in api manufacturing and as it extends to other parts of biology really that idea of component manufacture which is really what you're talking about has become more and more important. When I started in the 80s, if you were in a lab, you made pretty much everything. And it's not so much that way anymore. No, I like the and, focus. Well, go ahead. Well, I, I would I would echo what Clyde's saying and also just point out FDA is, of course, has the um, authority, the jurisdiction, the they've been delegated authority to oversee drug production, drug manufacturing, drug quality. As Clyde's pointed out, APIs are not drugs. Okay, so FDA does not have direct authority to oversee API manufacturers. It's a component of a drug. It's the main drug manufacturer who's responsible for selecting the supplier. This is a gap in the uh, statutory law. It would take a change in statutory law to uh, to provide FDA that authority. So now, 
of course, in the manufacturers, they do want to select the best uh, API manufacturers, the component manufacturers. But in, in cases where they don't, because they don't focus too much at the senior level on what the important the levers are. Where's the linchpins on which may uh, propagate into a quality issue later? If they're not focused on uh, API manufacturers or component manufacturers, you're going to run into problems. Now, FEA is seeing this. They're not going to, they could lobby uh, Congress to change the statute to give them that authority. That's an uphill battle. It's better for them to focus on manufacturers to raise awareness that, hey, you can do better to manage your API, mean uh, your suppliers. And this is a tool that will raise awareness. That's what QMN is. It's a tool to raise senior management's awareness, which are areas which are outside the purview of FDA. So you'll find some mention of this API, you know, management control in the regulations and tangentially in the statute, but there's no direct correlation. So you're not going to run into a regulatory issue because you've your, your API manufacturer is, is having problem. It's, it, it'll just culminate in a drug recall. So that's what the QMM is. I think that's, Clyde was bringing those points up about it's, you know, it's API manufacturers that we're focusing on. Now, it's a good point, but I also like Clyde's focus on the individuals themselves. So because the next question really, when I started to consider this is, how do the companies in the pilot program behave? Did they view this as an opportunity or were they more fearful? Yeah, I can I can speak to that and also let my team you know chime in on that. Uh, there were eight API foreign manufacturers who who, who volunteered for this engagement, and uh, and really w what I found uh, they were very keen to learn from this initiative. And uh, one of the common themes we heard was that although the sites uh, had spent substantial effort in uh, you know participating in the pilot providing us with the data, you know, sitting in the interviews and all. And in fact, they all commented that many of the questions we asked were never asked of them before. Uh, nevertheless, they felt that the questions and the recommendations were very helpful to them by providing a roadmap for process improvement. So I think I think they were very keen to learn more about the program. And I think they thought they, they really benefited from this you know, approach that we put together. Ben? Sure. Yeah, so... so... What I've noticed with all companies that participate in the program, they're very eager. I mean, obviously it was a voluntary participation and their approach was, you know, they, they want to show off uh, their quality systems and, and processes and how mature they were. However, what they didn't understand exactly what QMM was looking at. Not all companies were prepared the same. Uh, we did provide the list of questions in advance, uh, but each company prepared for it differently. And each organization viewed each question, obviously, a little differently. One Another thing that we also noted was that many of the companies approached the assessment similar to an FDA inspection. They, they had their the war room, they had limited conversations to select management and so on. But the QMM approach is intended to go beyond that and, and talk to all levels of the organization. So once we established the ground rules in the beginning of the assessment, you know, uh, they were more able to understand what, what the intention was. They were unaware that non-GMP functions would be approached as much. So, you know, for instance, we requested to talk to human resources or, you know, talk to them about the onboarding of new employees or maybe any employee, employee retention uh, initiatives. We also talked with personnel for, from uh, environmental health and safety. You know, we want to talk about how they comply with local laws for safety or, or how, how they uh, manage, you know, environmental waste, you know, and, and things like that. Stuff that are not reviewed as part of an FDA inspection. Most of all, we discussed extensively about the, the culture of the organization from the leadership down. Uh, our focus was on employee empowerment, voice of the patient, employee engagement, 
these are all again topics not typically uh touch based upon as part of an fda inspection so it was something that many of the sites were not initially prepared for but we're willing to respond to it and address and, and i can also tell you that you know from uh my participation i didn't participate in all the assessments but my participation what i observed was that uh they were excited they were excited to talk about these non-written uh these uh, non-gmp processes i should i should say these uh you know, these processes that, that fall outside of a typical inspection. They want to showcase how they, they bring new folks on board, or maybe perhaps how they uh, how they retain employees, or perhaps how they retain that, what do we call knowledge management, you know, within the organization. So it's it was all, it was very exciting. It was the stuff that, again, is not typically covered as part of an FDA inspection, which many of the firms were not initially prepared for. So in the background, the economics, the financing, the performance will link up back to, to money, how, how the companies generate a profit. So was that a key question from them or is it sort of yet to really dawn on them how, how close the linkage will be eventually? So I think you hit on a good point, Chris, because our framework is based on four pillars. One is man- how well does the site manage their risk? How well they manage their compliance? How well they maintain their quality culture? But there's another important question, how well they can manage the resources to sustain their operations. That's where if you cannot secure and you know collaborate with your suppliers, with your customers, you probably won't be able to sustain your operations reliably over the long term, right? right? You know, I think I, I think this is a key issue that we kind of brought into this discussion. I don't think these kind of questions have been asked of them before. Yeah, you're good at manufacturing, but how good are you at, you know, collaborating with your customer? Do you have a defined process to initiate, to manage, you know, to oversee this, to to share the risks, cost, efficiency, all that together? Uh, if not, all your this collaboration items might result in disappointments, maybe a, maybe a financial loss, right? So uh, what we also found that people are people do that all the time, but there is no defined process for them, which means that if that key person leaves, you probably lose the institutional knowledge about how to run these things. So these are the kind of vulnerabilities you can probably find out through such assessment and be proactive about it. I think the whole focus for the QM is for the to encourage the senior management to take a proactive oversight and not react to problems. And I'll bring up another point now, the public disclosure part of this. So I think part of Cindy Burse's original description included a a sort of a, a rating eventually for companies and how well they do on these things. I don't know how far along the process we are with that, but that's another aspect I thought I'd just bring up. Well, I think when we were talking about money and quality, when when we were going into that point, from my perspective, having, having worked for a while, quality assurance uh, management and a lot of people look at it as overhead. Uh, quality doesn't make any money. Occasionally, they'll save money, but they don't make any money. Yet they have enormous power because I personally have rejected batches for, for a variety of reasons that mounted into the hundreds of thousands of dollars and more. So that's an enormous amount of that's an enormous amount of power to have. And very few other people in uh, in an, any organization, have that. There's a financial aspect to it that you were talking about, but that's the other side of it. You have to make people understand that quality is a partner in this and quality oversights are essential and necessary and can be helpful to the bottom line. And that's often missed in conversations about corporate culture. 
And I would echo those. Uh, one point I want to bring up, Chris, that you brought up, um, and maybe some that can talk about this with regards to companies who do adopt this, and that's wonderful. They're gonna they're gonna benefit if they score well. First of all, this is a confidential assessment, so it doesn't go any further. But the question is, to what degree can it be published? And your rating system, the you know, when you do well. How how does that get published? Is it the, I don't know, Somnus can address this perhaps. Is this um, a discretionary on the part of the company? Would it be public knowledge? That kind of thing. I'm not quite sure. Well, so, well Bob, you, you want to take this on? Sure. So obviously, obviously that's all in the details. It's all in the works right now by the FDA. Uh, they're working yeah. through, they had their recent workshop this year. There was an event that was, there was a committee meeting, uh, advisory meeting, I should say, in which they discussed this. I think that's still all in the works, but there was the, yeah. uh, the drug shortage white paper that was produced, I think it was 2019, roughly, maybe 2020, I think they updated it, where they talked about the incentives here. You know, they're trying to incentivize uh, industry to embrace quality management maturity because obviously the FDA wants to ensure top quality products are in the market, but they also make sure there's a reliable supply. And, and what they found is that many the root causes for, for some of these uh, issues, you know, for shortages in the market have been drilled down to quality issues happening at the plant. And uh, so as part of this initiative, they're hoping to prove quality overall, holistically, right? Not just at the product level, but, and not just at the GMP level, but to have quality embr embraced at all levels of the, the organization. And in turn, you know, as one of these incentives that they, they're hoping to establish is, is perhaps a ranking. Now, I think they also, again, this is being discussed at the, uh, the regulatory level, not way outside of our, our uh, scope. But, you know, with the, the potential plan is that, you know, perhaps that they can assign ratings to these firms and they can be used by everyone from the purchaser to the pharmacy, you know, by the, to, and healthcare providers, you know, to identify where their drugs are coming from and, you know, who do they want their drugs, you know, where do they want to come from? Do they want to come from the, the cheapest out there on the market or do they want to come from a, a high quality, outstanding manufacturer who has the best reputation? So, I mean, this, these are factors that are currently in play at the regulatory level. So this summer, if I can chime in here again, what the public what what the final rating system and the scoring will look like that is up for design right. you know so those those design and you know who who gets to see them you know and so on and so forth uh, those are still being worked out i'm sure we cannot speak to what we did for right. the, you know uh, for the pilot they're all confidential assessments each uh, uh, participant got a high level score but uh, but they also got score on their say uh, component areas you know uh, how well are you managing your risk or or your compliance or your quality culture or your sustainability right uh, and i think zach can show um, some of the you know diagrams that we did for that but yeah i think uh, the purpose for our tool was to show them specific areas where you can improve again it is mm -hmm. a snapshot in time what you do is you know take those ratings and then figure out and we also provide recommendations so if you scored three out of five you know in this you know what can you do to 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 get to level four or level five so i think that's what the companies found value added so if you do an assessment i think you can well if if you do a self-assessment you can probably figure out where you are and you know and where you want to be so this qmm really should be seen as your as a check where you want to be versus where you are perfect summer that's a very good way to put an exclamation point on that so we, we're gonna to have to wrap up but i i did want to either ask for just closing thoughts but also advice to companies that are listening to this podcast that, that this may be coming to them sometime in the future. I would start by saying that this, this is a program that, uh, as you know, has just been approved by the FDA Scientific Advisory Committee, and FDA is keen to implement that in the near future, depending on the uh, timeline. Again, it's still being uh, worked on. But while it is being rolled out, 
now is the time for the senior pharma industry managers to to you know self reflect because it is going to happen uh, i think they could start by doing the assessment about how they are designing their business processes how well they are integrated with the quality objectives you know how well they are managing their risk their the, the, in the compliance processes um, uh, and so on uh, bill did you want to no i, I couldn't agree more yes yeah, start preparing now i mean that's their biggest recommendation this is coming i think the fda has targeted a couple of years they're going to come back out you know with another pilot program but uh, yeah, it's really a self-reflection. A company needs to assess where they currently stand. You know, some stated, you know, and, and perhaps identify those weaknesses and identify what is needed to to bring them to a, a higher level. There are various tools out there. You know, the, you know, there's various different ways to assess quality management, uh, maturity. And the FDA has, has made information public in their white paper that was recently published by OPQ. But yeah, there's there's a a lot of stuff out there. But the biggest thing is is how do you go above and beyond compliance? You know, we we just don't want to. Uh, make this a checklist and, and just complete the, that we meet the regs. We want to go beyond that. And we want to ensure the culture embraces that. I'll refer everybody to the December article and also to get in touch with find out a little bit more about your experiences. It's a really great pleasure to speak to everybody today. This is an important program that's going to be industry-wide and it's going to make a meaningful impact. So I suggest everybody continue to follow along. Somnath, Zachary, Clyde, Bob, thank you very much for, for joining us today. And uh, we're going to track your, your future with great interest. Thank you. Cheers. Thank, thank you, Chris. Chris. Thank you. Thank you to our editors and experts for sharing their insights. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our e-newsletters. When you sign up for our newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars and hear about episodes of Drug Digest. Thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast.